I'm your host, Helen Dalford Teasdale, and welcome to Brass Evolution, a show which incorporates some of my favourite things history, podcasts, and of course, the brass band movement. I'm very excited to bring you this first episode where we'll be chatting to Gavin Holman, owner of Internet Bandsman Everything Within, about how band histories are discovered, recorded, and saved for the future. Gavin, uh, for those who don't know you, could you give us a brief introduction to yourself? Well, I'm Gavin Holman. I currently and have been a tuba player with the Harrogate Band for many, many years. And I, I suppose, really got first interest in the history of bands probably about 30 years ago. I'd started off developing the Harrogate Band's website and as part of that, it had a whole load of, uh, you know, sort of links as people used to have in the early days. In fact, the Harrogate Band is one of the first bands to have a website. As those links to other things grew over time, they suddenly took on a life of their own. And that's when I first put the IBW together, which is sort of a main sort of resource for, for bands on the internet. And following on from that, I started to collect more information about bands of the past which then became a bit of a uh, uh, sort of activity in its own right, as far as my own personal life was concerned. And everything has just grown since then. I was going to give you I mean, my personal background is, um, is that of um, computers and, uh, and books and libraries. I ended up my professional career when I retired um, as the IT head of IT infrastructure for the British Library. So I had uh, access to a wonderful range of resources, which um, I'd made use of uh, over the years and helped actually to to uh, sort of cement the foundations really for the research and the, the the work that I and others were doing. I was going to say when you started off the Harrogate Band website I think I'm a child of the 90s Gavin so the internet was my playground for a very long time and I do remember that IBW was one of the first websites where you could actually search for bands in a sense um and I, and I, yeah, I definitely yeah. used it yeah. and, um I think so when you started compiling these links did you find that people were just sending you lots and lots of information and then it was like okay well where do we put all of this it was a, it was a combination of things I mean partly the uh, um I suppose the the ethos of the early internet was that people wanted to get stuff out there to share and all the rest of it uh, and so there was a lot of um, um help going around and people did send a heck of a lot of stuff to me and you know they wanted to get their their bits put in and and, and their, their, their own websites and their own information promulgated so of course very useful over the years it built up quite considerably and apart from the sort of the reference information and links to other websites which weren't just banned websites they were you know professional players there were they did the actual sort of um, business areas like you know the publishers and the instrument manufacturers you name it anything to do with bands really and i also added stuff along the lines of um you know deputy deputy players uh, professional cards and ev- an events directory so that you know um bands could publish you know their events so on each day you could sort of log in and see you know what's happening across the country with band concerts and that went on it really was yeah, a one-stop on shop yeah this was before you know googling and um, yeah. bands social media and things yeah. like this it was kind of like everything was compiled yeah. in the one place which was absolutely fantastic i've got to say yeah sadly um come the sort of about oh, I don't know, six seven years ago possibly with the increased social media and things the uh 
willingness, shall we say, of bands and people to sort of contribute uh, that sort of peripheral information, like events and you know um, uh, things to do with um, their own bands, sort of started to die down. It became impossible to maintain, so I had to sort of shut those bits off. So I'm concentrating more now on the on you know recording the history. I was going to say it so. When did you start sort of researching and recording the brass band histories? Obviously, people were sending you a lot of information. Was there any sort of research that you did initially that started that sort of journey for you? No, it was just a general sort of um, uh, case of you get some to get some sort of critical mass, at which point you realise that uh, you actually you have got something here that you know <laughs> is a collection of material and information that not only um, is worthwhile its own right, you know, really ought to be seen more widely. Um, and particularly, I think it was the my listing of extinct bands that really kicked things off. That was started off in the in the website, and then I um, did a oh a couple of years worth of research and added a significant number of bands to that, and then you know published it as a, an online book. So that was really the, the, I think the main start. But other things were happening in 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 between that. Um, you know, other pieces of um, information that have been collected. That's one of the things that the IBEW helped to do was provide a focus for this information to flow into and partly flow out again as well, but also I you know, kept quite a bit of it myself as sort of a triggers for, you know, future bits of work or, you know, bits of research. Absolutely. I was going to say there's probably quite a lot of people and a lot of bands that do their own sort of individual research or like local history groups like that and then they're all in these sort of separate silos and um IBW definitely sort of brought the focus there and um for basically well, brought it that, all together. My main sort of thrust in, in, in certainly the last 15, 20 years has been to try and collate and collect information that's out there and make it available, you know, on via either on IBW or via IBW. And uh, you know, allow people access to it, but also use it as a sort of a, a launching point or starting point for people to actually, you know, get into this themselves. I mean, I, I've, I've lost count of the number of times I've been contacted by people who want advice or help or information or, you know, um, whether it's, you know, someone who wants to know something genealogically about their great-grandfather who they think played in a band or whether it's an academic who's writing a thesis on X, Y, and Z and, you know, wants to know either what to do about X or, you know, where he find information. You know, it's 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 a joy, I think, <laughs> I find, to be able to do this sort of thing uh, because not only do I get things back in terms of information ultimately from people who find things out uh, and then, you know, bring it back to me, but also, uh, you know, it, 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 it helps to promulgate the... Um, the band's histories. Otherwise, you know, they're going to get lost. The number of times you hear about people who are upset because their great-grandfather or whoever grandfather has died and that information about his life and the bands he was in has just been lost to the ether. And you never get that sort of information back. And there's so little, yeah, in terms of the the written word that, again, it's trying to make sure that what you have got or what we have got is... Uh, kept, maintained, digitised, scanned, archived, whatever, you know. So it is there for posterity. That's really, you know, one of my driving forces. 
I think we're we're in an age now where we can sort of capture sort of people's living memories and his and band and histories much more easily with you know mm. all the technology that we have at our disposal but it's the, it's getting to the point where some of this really critical information is could potentially get lost into mm. the ether um so that's why the work that you do is and everyone that supports IBEW is so important talk us through the process Gavin how do you get started sort of discovering information do you pick specific topics to get started with or do you just have lots and lots on the go all at once the answer to that is i have lots and lots on the go at all at once unfortunately it i quite often get distracted um it it, it happens that you know I, I i'll come across a piece of information or a, a photograph and quite often that will then you know either ring a faint bell or make me go oh gosh i never knew that and I find myself going down a rabbit hole of other research on the internet or somewhere else and, and you know, ending up with a new topic to investigate. I currently have about 20 or so topics pending. Wow. Um, there's a number of specific bands, such as what well, old ones like Bax and Dales, Dodsworths, um, Hepworth Ironworks, um, Irwell Springs, one of the... Um, Rifle volunteer bands from Cumbria, Ulverston, and of course, of course, my own band, Harrogate. I've got a whole yes. lot of information about that, which is definitely needs is that to on be. the back burner? <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, I mean, the IBEW and, and my interest was originally entirely brass band raised, and you know, traditional brass band. Raised. Yeah. Over the years, that has spread much wider, partly because in the early days. There wasn't such a thing as a traditional brass band, and the um, the bands had a um, variety of different instrumentations. Bands in other countries have come up in a similar sort of um, evolutionary pattern, but ended up in different ways. And to be frank, you know, the whole brass ensemble in its widest term movement across the world is quite fascinating. And as a result, a lot of the stuff on the IPW now encompasses that so that you know, the whole sort of family of brassy music is is covered and i find some of the aspects of it quite uh, intriguing um so a number of my sort of um, articles have been touching on areas of these i also find children's bands particularly the institutional orphanage bands interesting i've done quite a bit of work on um the uh, ladies banding mm -hmm. both in terms of the ladies bands themselves of which there were quite a few particularly in the usa but also the female instrumentalists and the brass players again there were some wonderful um lady corner players in particular but also trombonists and um, horn players of course <laughs> oh, oh, in, in the 19th <laughs> i'm century, completely biased yeah. <laughs> but you know um you don't hear about them and, and, and they make barely a ripple in history and it's, it's so sad on the flip side there's this sort of, sort of ephemeral side of aspects of the banding arena. You have things like comic bands, um, which are slightly, you know, off to one side. They may contain brass instruments, they may be all brass instruments, but quite often they contain sort of kazoo and zobo type instruments. But mm -hmm. they were part of the, the banding fabric in this country and the USA. And... I've got a number of those bubbling away as to investigate. And then there's the lists of and sort of directories of types of bands. I've looked in the past at the bands 
associated with industry, so the works bands, the mills bands, the, the motor works band, um, so forth and so on. And also, to some extent, the uh, bands associated with the, as I said earlier, the institutional children's homes. But I've also got markers in to look at bands associated with political parties, um, some of the religious organisations, particularly the Rechabites, and a lot more work on the um, training ships, which were set up partly to um, provide musicians for the Navy, but also somewhere they could house all these either orphan or lads who were not quite ready for normal schools so we say yes yeah mm. i just find this so fascinating that like this this is all so intertwined it's all intertwined and i don't know we can kind of look at brass bands in isolation but there's so many external factors and other things happening in the musical sphere that yeah i can totally understand why you kind of go start looking at one thing and then something else comes in and yeah. changes your line of you know investigation something like that yeah i mean personally i don't think we can be you know uh too isolationist in terms of you know the brass band world it's nice to have our own um you know 25 players plus percussion and you know rules and regulations and all the rest of it we have to be considerate of you know the wider brass environment (coughs) apart from anything else you know, we're almost like we're fighting a losing battle, but we're certainly continuing to fight the battle of, of our existence against other entertainment outlets for people and the fact that we, you know, historically have an aging audience and all the rest of it. So there are issues there that we've got to, to um, deal with. But I suppose one of the um, interesting things is that um, I think, I mean, in my research, sort of shows it to some extent that despite what people think the number of bands in Britain today is roughly the same as it was in the 1950s there's not been a huge decline since that time we're running around about the 1200 mark um, across, across the country now that's a big drop from the peak which has been about 1895 when around 5,000 bands were in existence. And obviously there was a big drop after World War One, and then again after World War Two. But since the sort of early mid-50s, it's been largely static. That contradicts what I, what I, you know, the work that you do is so important to sort of bolster that because I was under the impression that, you know, we were drastically, had drastically declined and we were gone a downwards decline. Um, but actually what you're saying is that we've kind of, the numbers have sort of basically remained steady, which is fantastic. And obviously there's no, no way we can ever get back to the numbers of in sort of industrial and um, bands linked mm. to every sort of industry across the UK and the world. But yeah, that makes me feel very optimistic. <laughs> I think so. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, there are bands that have folded, but there are new bands that have been created. Of course. Um, I don't, you know, it's too early to say what the results of the pandemic are going to be, but, and I suspect that will have another downwards effect, but, you know, we can be optimistic at least. Yeah. What's your best advice for people wanting to start out doing their own research? I think it depends entirely on what it is you're trying to look at. Obviously, <laughs> Mr. Internet is a wonderful resource. Of but, course. <clears throat> um, it, it, it's, it is but one uh, of a whole range of different um, 
resources you can get hold of. I mean, one of the main things that we've um, got to consider now is that, that, that there's so much information out there in terms of physical archives, be it in museums or libraries, local history societies, and other places such as that, that is largely untapped, largely unknown, apart from it being inside someone's catalogue. That's not counting the stuff that uh, people have in the, uh, you know, individuals have in their own houses, their own records, even their own heads. Um, so when you sort of say to someone, well, you know, where do I go from here? How do I, how do I find out more? It's, it is largely a case of, well, what is it you want to do? How, how do you want to find out? Is it about an individual? Is it about a band? Is it about a process? Is it about an organisation? You, you try and uh, personally, I try and sort of push people towards the right sort of areas of research. I can't be specific in most cases, but it, it, you know, you can at least give them a few pointers. A number of the pointers were in existence in the IBW in early years, and I've worked those up into a guide for those researching for bands, so that the document called "Researching the History of Brass Bands" is now available on the, on the website and and gives you know access to a whole list of different areas you can investigate both in terms of um, sort of websites you can go to or the, the organizations you can contact or even the types of um, groups that might be of use to you in your search you know for example if you're looking into uh, the bands of fraternal organizations it, you know it gives you a few pointers about people like um, you know the round table and the masons and so forth that you can actually contact and and, and Find out more information. Over the years, I've built a whole range of contact with other researchers and historians and academics who have helped me a lot, and you know, hopefully, I've you know, helped them in a little way. But also, it means I've got the odd contact. I can say, well, you know, he or she is actually looking into that sort of area or that sort of um, um, aspect of uh, musicianship. Uh, you know, and put them in contact. Such a fantastic wealth of resources that you've compiled. Um, I'll definitely put links to, obviously, the IBEW website and also the links for the resources for bands. But I think sometimes you could potentially get a little bit daunted, overwhelmed. Like, where do I start? If if somebody's trying to sort of look at the history of an entire band and it goes back to the, you know, early early 1900s, it, you, could, you could be very overwhelmed very quickly. So... Gavin yeah. has put a fantastic set of resources together to sort of set you on your journey there. So, Gavin, there's a there's a fantastic community around brass band histories. I know that there's sort of um, Facebook groups and um, other oh, yes. groups out there, and these people have probably gone through the process themselves or are in the middle of some research, and they could, you know, people are out there to help you. Basically, I would say. Oh, certainly. I mean, you mentioned the Facebook group. I set that up um, some years back now. And it's got probably 4,000 members. Sounds a lot, but I think a number of those are not real members, shall we say, yeah. as, as it is with Facebook. Um, and a number of those are in there and keeping things from time to time. But there are people who are actively doing research and also who are contributing quite considerably to the information that's you know, is pulled into that group. And it is very, very effective in that way. So it is it is um, yet another way of making sure that, A, information is shared, and B, that it is um, um, passed on elsewhere so that people can either enjoy it or include it in their own research. One of the um, other things I've got on the IBW website is a 
starting list of books, for example, for those who are interested in band history, but aren't specifically looking for any uh, particular story or band, just to give them, you know, read about stuff list. So hopefully that's, you know, of use to people as well. What's the most interesting or memorable discovery you have made? Oh, oh dear. Um, I know, tricky question. There's so many. Um, one of the things I find so interesting is the it, it, it's the delight that you know when you find something that's either unknown or little known and, and allows you to sort of um, say, "Oh, that's really good," or you know, it's the, it's the eureka or aha moment. You know, there's a couple perhaps. One is um, it had been long thought that in 1845 a Burton constable that was the first. You know, a real brass band contest, and it was um, documented quite thoroughly by N.W. Jackson, and you know that really be was enshrined as the starting of contesting in Britain. But um, I did a little bit of digging, which ended up being a lot more digging, and discovered several contests that existed in the two decades before that. That also had you know links to some of the military band earlier military band contests in France, so. That was a, a new chunk of information. I thought, oh, that's good to Absolutely. know. Um, <clears throat> and the other thing was, um, I looked into various um, family bands. These are you know, bands of usually family members who quite often, particularly in the USA, used to tour around and um, basically have a sort of vaudeville type life on, on the circuit. And there was one particular band, again, this, <laughs> this started with a photograph that I actually found in an antique shop several years ago. And at the time, I didn't know what it was, but I have since found out that it was one of the photographs of the Tyler family band. Tyler was a musician who had two wives, 13 children, and with those 13 children had two separate bands. Wow. <laughs> and he, he, he toured both in the UK and in France. For about fifty years in the nineteen in the eighteen hundreds, he they had several spots as the town band in places like Aberystwyth. The uh, photograph I have was particularly interesting because it's taken on the steps of one of the um, buildings here in Harrogate, were in eighteen seventy two when they visited as part of a tour around the country. They are particularly interesting for a second reason that is they are the first recorded band to have a remotely transmitted concert. Wow, okay. Which they did via telephone <laughs> at, wow. uh, in Bradford in 1882. That's incredible. <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. Um, it, 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 I'd done some work previously both on the early recording um, technologies for brass bands, and I wrote a paper on that, and a similar one on the early broadcasting elements of brass bands those are mainly um around the area of um, the first broadcast in the 1920s when the bbc first came along but there were previous broadcasts before that both on telephone and telegraph lines um but this tyler family one was um new to me and they just had another you know piece in the jigsaw of banding history well thank you so much gavin for all that information i feel like Everyone needs to have a look on your website, ASAP, especially if you're thinking about um, doing some research into 
brass band histories, whether individuals, conductors, contests, bands, extinct bands, it's all there. Where can we find you, Gavin, and how can people get in touch with you? The simple answer is via the IBEW website. It's www.ibew.co.uk. Contact details are on there. All of my um, articles and uh, books are there for research, download, whatever people want to do. Um, and I'm always open to you know, helping people if they've got questions or queries. It helps that you know we've got some way now of actually uh, collecting all this material together, both in the digital space and in the physical space. It's very good to see, for example, that um, finally the um, Brass Band Archive has been relocated now to um, Heritage Key in Huddersfield after being in lim- limbo for so many years. And that, I think, you know, plus the uh, Salford University Repository are two significant um, archives of banding history that can only grow over time. And certainly my own personal collection, <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll be heading that way. Extensive, <laughs> I'm <some> sure. <laughs> I, it is slightly yes. Um, I mean, apart from all the stuff on the website, I've personally got load, you know quite a f- large number of books um, and you know, uh, material um, of historical bent about bands. I've also managed to collect a whole range of um, uh, electronic PDFs of articles and books, which um, again, you know, can and will be made available. They're not currently available through the IBEW website partly because of potential copyright issues with some of them. Sure. But they will be, you know, heading towards one of the archives in due course as well. So it, it, it's, it's you know, uh, the main thing is that I do want to have some sense that the uh, histories that people are researching and writing and uh, publishing are going to remain in the public domain and accessible, you know, for the future. And it's only through you know, um, significant archives like Brass Band Archive and the universities that this stuff's going to be protected and preserved. We don't really know yet what the digital archiving future is going to hold. I mean, places like the British Library are looking into this and are doing their own thing in terms of archiving a small amount of the web. But uh, a lot more research needs to be done in that respect um, so that despite having something like the IPW in existence, it's not guaranteed that, that material is is going to be there in 50 years' time. So, you know, that's another person's problem, I think. But it, it is, just highlights the, you know, it's not just, you know, uh, ephemeral paper that, uh, you know, uh, uh, causes problems for uh, keeping this material live. IBW has certainly gone a long way to... <laughs> collecting so much information which is Mm. absolutely fantastic and the fact that it's free to access and this is a very um we're a friendly bunch I think and you know people very much go a long way to sort of sharing information sharing content and it's just a great place to get started if people are wanting to look into history so Gavin thank you so much for your time I'm sure I'll be in touch again (laughs) I'm sure um, Gavin is a wealth of knowledge um and I'd like to thank you just there now. Thanks, Gavin. That it was been a pleasure talking to you. And obviously, anytime you or anybody else, you know, uh, wants to get in touch, I'm happy to be here.
I really hope you enjoyed episode one. If you like the podcast, please help it to grow by liking, sharing, rating and reviewing. Every episode, a portion of the ad revenue is donated to an organisation chosen by our guest. This week, it will be the Internet Bandsman's Everything Within. Podcast music is Mephistopheles, performed by the Illinois Brass Band.